0: Everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe
1: Roschert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis rosignol um, artist illustrator. And today we're going to be talking about um, generating money with your art and yeah. clever ways to do that, or maybe unique ways to do that. But we do want to start we did wanna start with a new story, right? And it's it's a sensitive one. Yeah. So we'll try to do it in a way that that is um what's the word i'm looking for pc yeah (laughs) we we, we're not looking to offend people um but it's a news it's a story in the world of news in the world of art sorry and it has to do with an artist named muck rock who i wasn't familiar with before this
0: yeah i wasn't either
1: and she is a graffiti artist
0: muralist do
1: they is it graffiti art she does else? both i guess she well like she does graffiti art oh, i
0: guess art. i don't know the difference really
1: yeah well i think like graf- graffiti art is t- can be illegal right because whereas maybe a muralist you're actually getting hired to do it yeah and so maybe that's the difference i'm not really sure yeah. either but anyway she was hired to do a portrait of nina simone the singer or who's who's that I actually don't know. <laughs> I think it's a a singer. Okay. Anyway, she was hired to do a portrait on the outside of a coffee shop, and uh, Rabble Coffee is the name of the coffee shop. And she went and did the portrait, and then about where? Two, where is this? Where was this actually? I can't remember. It was somewhere in like near St. Louis, I think, or I think it might have been St. Louis. Diana. No. It was Indiana. And the reason I know that is because she's also pretty famous for one that she did of Larry Bird. Yes, and, I remember that. And in he's Larry from Bell. Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. And yeah. that was another controversy because she did a portrait of him with all these tattoos and he contacted her he didn't, like he didn't tattoo. So though. she had to remove them all. <laughs> but anyway, so she was hired to do this portrait out, uh, by a, an owner of a coffee shop. And then two weeks later, the owner of the coffee shop ended up painting over the mural she did with just black paint
0: but she was paid she for got the paid mural. yeah she got
1: paid to do the mural and the reason being the owner of the coffee shop found some other work that she had done that she found to be racially insensitive okay yeah. and it was a portrait i guess in in like i can't remember what city it was but it was of i guess like a monkey and it had like a gold tooth yeah and it was smoking weed or they there I was, said thinking weed. It was a stop bubble about us a pot leaf okay that's what it was and so that was it was brought to the attention of the coffee owner that, about this piece and some people found it racially insensitive yeah and so she, the owner of the coffee shop just said i'm going to paint over this mural that i hired her to do because i don't want to even be associated with this artist anymore and i think customers were complaining yes yeah, some customers had complained
0: and that's that's big. Your livelihoods now being affected.
1: How do you deal with that? Right. And so it's also like, the artist's um, intent comes into question with that portrait. Right. Like, you know, because obviously some people viewed it as racist. She probably didn't. Well, she claims she didn't think of it that way at all. Yeah. And the artist actually did make an Instagram post about it. And I I'll read it what she wrote if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So she wrote. The infighting and tearing down which is happening in this country between people that need to band together is the reason we are in this predicament. To the owner of Rabble Coffee who blacked out Nina Simone citing that my art is racist, I understand I'm a target because I am out in the world painting for the world and you see what you want because people with twisted views um, who put their eyes on my work and see evil. I do not support racism in any way when I paint a black hero or any hero, I do it to inspire others and because they are cherished. The bottom line is we are losing to a greater evil because we are knocking each other down. Now this portrait is gone for no reason. Public art belongs to the public. So She was mad that her art was, was taken down.
0: Yeah, as anyone would be. It was a very beautiful portrait.
1: Yeah, but I think personally... I'd be more upset that I was called racist than that my art was painted over. Yes. And so, and then real quick, the, the um, owner of the coffee shop did comment on her Instagram post. And she just wrote, hi, I'm the one who painted over it. First of all, I said, some of your art was bothering my customers and me, particularly your gold tooth monkey on their first black beach in New Orleans. It's racially insensitive at the least. I have every right to paint over something I paid for, just like you have every right to express yourself.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And so I, I tend to agree that the, she does have the right, she paid for it. Um, I kind of was in, on the line of that she, maybe she should have done more research on the artist beforehand, beforehand. Because the artist has put, you know, when you're, a lot of artists, they put their heart and soul into their work. And so to be hired to do a piece and then have it painted over, a week or two later could be devastating to some people. I could really be upset by that. Um, and like she said, public art belongs to the public. it was done on the coffee shop that the woman owned, and so she ha- like, she has the right to paint over it yeah. um, and 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 you were, she was paid for her work and so yeah
0: i don't think I don't think the coffee shop owner's in the wrong in any sense
1: no, I don't think so either, and I, I tend to see both sides of the story. Yeah. I, Which I generally am pretty reasonable with stories like this. Like, if um, I get why maybe some people could... S- I didn't get a chance to see the piece that was claimed.
0: I couldn't find the piece either. But just by the sound of it, it sounds crazy insensitive.
1: Yeah. So I, I wasn't able to see it because I think she took it down after this, like the photographs that she had up on her, her website of it. And I don't know if the piece still exists in... in where was it? In a beach in
0: uh, New Orleans? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, it might still exist there. Maybe someone's painted over it. I don't know, but...
0: I don't see how it could exist.
1: You know, like... I know, but cl- clearly it did for a while because people were made aware of it. Um, Or it must have been a huge piece. I think it was a mural. Um, but what about intent? So the, the artist claims that her intent was not. She's not... She doesn't support racism.
0: Okay. I, d- I don't care if she says that she didn't have intent. Uh you need to have the ability as an artist to know what lines can be pushed and not. Like you have responsibility as an artist. You have to be aware of these things. Like yes, some things have connotations that are negative. Yeah. Either use that for good or bad or y- you have to be able to control that. As yeah. an artist, that is your job and you are fully responsible.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, like, there's some things that are, they maybe just don't, it's not worth touching them. Yeah. Like, with your don't, art. Yeah, because Just it, avoid it. Yeah. There's no need. Of course, people, some people say, like, all publicity is good, even bad publicity. Yeah. And now, because now we know who this artist is and everyone listening now knows who it is and many of us probably didn't.
0: Right. If like, he, you could get the same story and message across. That she would have intended to, or wanted to intend to, in a different way.
1: Yeah, I will say that the work I saw of the this artist, she does paint a lot of portraits. Yeah, and a lot of them are beautiful portraits, beautiful, and a lot of them are of black people that she said are heroes of hers. So I don't, I really don't think she's racist. I think that she just was a little bit ignorant with what she painted and just not. Maybe she wasn't aware that that had some type of a connotation, yeah. or maybe she wasn't just she, she because she knew she's not racist, it didn't bother her. But intent is like half of it, because the viewer has their own interpretation of your work. And so if you're giving, if you're putting things out there that could be interpreted, a, one way that is totally different than your intent, you have to be aware you of: You have those to things. be aware. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have um, it's an interesting story. Um i I think I agree that as a an art buyer, you have the right to do whatever you want with the art if you want to throw it away or paint over it mm. that's on you.
0: Um, but, but it's a strong message for other artists. Yes yeah. yeah, for sure. you you can and she will be blacklisted for that for a, a very long time. like you can ruin your career.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there'll still be out people out there that are, will hire her, but she'll. There'll probably be a big portion of the population that wouldn't, so she's gonna have issues from this for sure. Yeah. So it just shows that you really need to be cautious. But I thought it was an interesting story, at least to talk about, bring light to that the subject. Yeah. It was very interesting. That ice cream man.
0: And relevant. Yeah, I
2: heard
1: the ice cream man. <laughs> <laughs> you probably these mics probably ice aren't cream. It up, but yeah, I know. I don't. I, we don't get the ice cream man over where I live. Oh, that's too bad. Does that come like every day?
0: Yeah, or a lot of times when it's decent weather out, yeah, I'm I'll jealous. hear it. But I'm I'm never
1: fast enough. <laughs> I always, as a kid, I was never fast enough either. Almost <laughs> they're so quick they should really like park in a place for a while. <laughs> They'll park at deering oaks at the park nearby for yeah, because you're like outside and you hear it, and then you got to run in and get money from your mom. By the time you get back out, it's gone. <laughs> Unless there's a lot of kids in your neighborhood, so then he stopped and in a line. Yeah, that's the best way to keep him there. <laughs> So anyway, we're... mom, <laughs> <laughs> ice cream, mom. Give me some money. So speaking of money, good segue. Yeah. How, do we, how do uh, we now sell we're stuff? old, and we're the ones making the money. Yeah. And so, how do you do it as an artist? Man, it's
0: tough sometimes, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because there's like a stereotype, right, of the starving st- artist. Starving artist. I haven't eaten in twelve days. Why uh, does why does that stereotype
0: exist? Because it was much it was much harder to be an artist. Before social media, now we're in a time where we can. Artists are making more than they ever have.
1: I think there's a lot more artists out there that are making um, some money, supplementing their careers in some way or their other jobs. I don't think there's more professional artists that are doing it full time than there was before. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's more opportunity for everyone to make some income, supplemental income.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's more
1: opportunity. Yeah, because you you wonder, too, how many artists that you're, you're, like you said, with social media, you're following them, and you wonder if they have another job or if their art is their full job.
0: Right. Right. You really don't know most of the time.
1: No. And, I mean, most artists do have some other type of income some way. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, if you can find a way to or make any part of your income from art, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, you got to think of redundancies. You have to have streams of income. You have yeah. to you have to think just as creatively with how you're getting income as you are with your work, right?
1: yeah, you have to have multiple baskets going because you never know when one's gonna be ripped away.
0: so what are some of your baskets?
1: all right, so my I have like some baskets that are being filled every week, yeah, and then I have some other baskets that are like like here once in a while it'll get filled, fair weather friends, yeah, so I have different baskets with different. Um, levels of steadiness to them, mm-hmm. and I think that that's important for artists, yeah. right? So consistency, I
0: consistency, sell... yeah, predictability. I'm having a trouble with predictability.
1: Yep. And so I sell work on Etsy. That's kind of like my steadier one, where I know I'm going to get some sales every week, so there'll be some money from that. And then um, I do commissioned work for private commissions, as far as like people that want work in their home. Mm-hmm. And then I also do commissions for. um Clients that are more, um, you know, like print and illustration job, like commissioned illustration. Mm -hmm. And so I've got, I guess those are my three main baskets.
0: What would you say your percentages are roughly for those categories?
1: Yeah. So for me that the percentages are probably about, I don't know, this year is going to be a little different, but I would say that the percentage is about 60%. Etsy, and and oh. and print sales through PayPal, yeah, and then about ten um, percent personal private commissions, okay, and then thirty Ill- percent commercial illustration commercial work, and that's um, this year. Last year it was a little bit different. I was more reliant on Etsy, mm-hmm. and so that's is that's the about, Etsy is the
0: Etsy fairly predictable. Income,
1: yes, it has been lately. It it wasn't so. At uh, my first year or two on Etsy was not predictable at all, and it was terrible. And I think most Etsy shops will tell you that to start on Etsy, you're gonna have it's gonna take time to build, mm-hmm. like any other business. But um, it at this point, yes, I have a pretty. I know, like I'm gonna have at least a set amount. Like I haven't gone under a certain amount, and. Occasionally, I'll have really good weeks, like weeks that I'll run like a sale or something. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of Etsy, too, if you have like a good following once you build that up. If you are having a bad week, you could easily do like a um, hey, a one day's
0: flash sale flash
1: sale, and you'll, it'll pick up for mm-hmm. that week, or if your car breaks down. People and,
0: might be sitting on the, uh, waiting for a sale. Right.: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so like transitioning from, if you're not an artist and you want to transition to an art career. You may start with just one basket and then build that up a bit and then add another basket and then maybe cut back on your other job a little bit hour-wise mm-hmm. and build. And so there's definitely ways to transition from any career to an art career in ways that aren't like, I got to quit my job and I'm going to be an artist full-time. That's the worst way to go, I think. Don't, mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree with that? It's very- It's risky. It's Unless you've got like,
0: I don't want to say it's the worst,
1: <laughs> but... Well, it's it's, managed, it's doable I, for I, some people. I think
0: sometimes that's the fire you need. <laughs> but, I think
1: if you do that, though, you should probably have, like, that's a decent risky. savings account. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, I, hey, if I don't make anything for a year, I'm okay. Yeah. And most people can't do that. Yeah. Like, what do they say? Like, it's, like, 80% population doesn't even have enough in their bank account to, like, buy... Um, like a new washing machine, if their washing machine broke or something. Yeah. Which is... Well, I've been there. I've been, has, there. been there. Most of us have, right? yeah. And so, as an artist, if you're going to like start a career in, in art, you really should have some... You're not going to have any other jobs for a while. You might want to have some type of a savings before you start it.
0: Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with having a part-time gig going on the side.
1: Right. What What are your percentages? So we talked a little bit about mine.
0: Yeah. Flip flop. I'm almost, almost the opposite. Okay. Uh, I think maybe ten tops twenty percent is, um, sales, Etsy commissioned. Yep. uh, private sales. And the rest
1: is commercial.
0: Yeah. Um. So you're But, more... that, but that that varies too. So, we could talk about that in a bit.
1: Yeah. So I would consider you more of an illustrator than I am. Because when I think of an illustrator, I think of someone that's getting lots of commissioned um, commercial work. Yeah, I'd put
0: you more on the fine art side of yeah,
1: illustration. because of, I think, because of the way that my money is generated, I kind of have, I do illustration work, but it's like kind of something I do, not something I am.
0: Right, I, I do illustration work based on briefs a lot of time, right, yeah. and
1: specific goals i have to set right or specific criteria so let's start let's start with commission so that's part um that's part of the money that you're generating one of your baskets so how do you generate commission you know people that find you how do they do it
0: a lot of times it's friends and family people i know that want commissions yeah um it's not it's not often Sometimes it's sometimes friends family like my style and they want something that's more personalized for a relative as like a retirement gift or a, a porch a, a like what do you get someone that has everything yeah you know art and and so this art becomes a very special thing yeah and um there's a lot of value there's a lot of value in that and it's, it's a very nice gift different than know buying an edible arrangement or something
1: (laughs) uh so where i was getting it what about like commercial type illustration because i know you've done a lot of that and you've you know animation for businesses and things um is that from networking that you've found most of that's work
0: mainly from networking a lot of that is coming around from word of mouth uh locally primarily locally
1: yeah so you're generating um relationships and that helps generate money. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, the school sends me a lot of work or referrals mm-hmm. uh, for for things.
1: At Mecca, main Ma- college, main, of main college, of Art. and, you, of and Art, so you're you a work you teach so, there, some um,
0: adjunct professor there. Yeah, and uh, so sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll get work from either uh, other professors that can't, that don't have the bandwidth for it, or. Yeah, Just stay, stay known, stay known uh, in the, in the, cir- in the circles, in the community. Um, and sometimes my, my work or style is the right fit for a gift project.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so I would, that's what I was curious about. So we cause we're talking about gener- how to generate money as an artist, right? Cause. Right. And so commercial work, you have to generate it. How do you do that? So you're talking about networking and sometimes it comes from friends and people who know people. Um there's all sorts of ways to do that.
0: Yeah. yeah. I have people getting doing commissions, like uh, going back to commissions. Uh or sometimes actually commercial work too. When I'll do holiday sales or yeah, fairs shows like table and type stuff, selling cards, prints. Yeah. Um stuff that hits the masses, more eyes are seeing. It's just more eyes seeing your work. Yeah. And sometimes sparking ideas for projects for commercial or personal or yeah. yeah i
1: know a lot of artists that have got into like doing tabling events like comic cons and those type of events and so those are great opportunities. they're sometimes
0: very lucrative if you're the right fit for the event yeah you know, sometimes it is whether you're the right fit or not but, no.
1: but from what i've heard it's like they're they're not something that are great if you're only just going to do one or maybe one here and there it's something like because, you you know, you have to spend some money getting a, ta- a table set up. And, and so if you're going to be doing a lot of them to, to invest the money and getting, like, a really beautiful setup for your tables, mm-hmm. then it's probably worth doing.
0: And then also, over time, it tends to get better and better. Even at the same shows, you start to get more recognition. Uh, people see you one year, see you maybe not buy anything, see you the next year, think about buying something, see you the next year and buy something.
1: Yeah, because you've done the... the Mecca holiday sale for a few years now Yeah, in a row. Quite a, quite a few years, yeah. And you do pretty well. I know like the last time I was at that table with... So I was at a table that had like a bunch of illustrators. And yeah. so it was like a split table. And it was kind of a mess because each of us had something for sale and people were confused. It's hard and, to see. You have to simplify. Yeah. And you had a beautiful setup where it was just your work. It was very simple. People knew what you were selling. People got it. Yeah. And so... Talk about that. Like, how do you figure that out? How do you set that up to make sure that you're successful at those type of events? Keep failing. Keep, Keep failing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you the want, the first time, the first yeah.
0: time I did it, it looked like crap. I you know, I had just plastic bins filled with a bunch of cards on well, a table, and it just it, it didn't look good. So, but every year I would invest in myself and and level up and see what worked, see what didn't work, um, start to Think about the psychology behind making these sales, right? Uh, standing behind the table, or, or th- think of think of yourself as uh, as the customer. Like when I'm when I'm going yeah. to these fairs, I get intimidated by the artists standing behind the table, like staring you down, trying to get you to come over. I'm like just
1: yeah. sit down or don't look at me or stand to the side or i actually agree with that i'm so i want to look at your work but you're bugging you're bugging me not just that it's like well i don't even want to go over that table because then i'm gonna feel bad if i just walk away yeah and don't buy anything don't guilt me yeah that's the worst i agree if the artist is not like staring at you or if you can see that they're busy doing something you're more likely to maybe go over and take a look because you're not going to feel pressured
0: right it's going to feel like a comfortable
1: spot yeah but at the same time you, you do want to be there because if they have questions and, and yes. you wanna be able to be engaging with them if they want that. Right. Right.
0: And so there's a lot of psychology behind that, I think. That might be I'll write that down actually for another another episode. Of psychology of Affairs tabling. and Tabling, yeah, yeah. I have this whole theory. I feel like I should write a book. <laughs> I,
1: you're you're right on with, with your what you're talking about though, and I think it applies to pretty much everything with within um, art as a business in that you have to put yourself in um, the, customer the customer's shoes. mind. So, all right, I'm posting this on my Instagram and it's about a sale I'm running. What would tempt me to want to go look at the sale? What would, you know, what would, what would annoy me? Like right. if, if this person just posted all the time about the sale, like 20 times today right. about this one day sale, that would annoy me. Yeah. So you have to like, or kind think of, about the
0: Kickstarter campaigns that annoy you. Right. Like, yeah, they're trying. They're really trying hard to get. They're almost to their goal. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. That's three times
1: different ways today. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah, it's hard. With Kickstarter, like, what happens is um, you, you do really well at the beginning of your campaign because it's, like, launched, and everyone's excited. Or maybe not everyone. But some people are excited. And then at the end of the campaign, you get, like, a push because... people are like it's their last day or two to order if they want to but every single campaign has a lull in the middle and people get scared and Mm. so they start sending out emails like hey check out my and then they end up overdoing it sometimes right and so that little mid-campaign lull which so speaking of of uh kickstarter it's another great way to generate money Right, and so I've used it twice and I'm going to be using it for a third time. Well, I used Indiegogo, but it's the same, you know, same thing. Um,
0: and what's, so, what's the percentage there? Like, is that a, is that a good percentage of your income? Mm,
1: no, because, oh. well, it basically pays for the printing of the book and then I sell the book. So it, oh. in a way it, it kind of is, but, um, well, it, it helps me get something that I'm trying to produce, and then I'm able to sell that at later. So if, if you're just counting the money I made during the Kickstarter or during the campaign, like last year, it might have been only like 8% of my income or 10% of my income for the year. But if you're going to count all of the sales that I'm later from the book that I made during that campaign, then yeah, it's a good portion of my income. Um, so that's a great thing to think about too. Like, okay, I'm an artist. I'm an artist and maybe I have an audience, so let's pretend you already have built an audience if we could do we we're gonna do multiple podcasts about that I'm sure how to build audiences mm. but let's pretend you've already built a decent audience so you have or or supporters or whatever you want to call them you have people that are interested in what you're doing or your work that's what you can generate money from that somehow yeah and um, Kickstarter or crowdfunding can be a good way to do it what you have to do is figure out well what kind of project could i do that would interest people and for me it's been an art book putting but i've seen artists do all sorts of things
0: on right like even small small things like enamel pin runs or yeah uh yeah prints t-shirts
1: yeah so you're getting your followers or your supporters involved in help you know they feel like they're helping you out and you're getting a project completed that you're now able to like for instance if you do a book now you have books to sell yeah that you didn't have before and that helps generate money yeah and then this isn't something that i've used but i know other artists uh visual and musical artists and of people patreon which is like a monthly type people say like oh, i'll donate $3. you said you
0: haven't, haven't that. tried that i haven't i have i've I said, tried opening one just as i was curious what
1: did you so i'm curious what did the process. you offer for, because for Patreon, what it is is like different levels. Um, you know, if someone donates three dollars a month, they get this amount, and then what do you offer as an illustrator? Well,
0: to, to come clean, it was more of a test, and I have one patron, like, oh. I have one friend. What, what did? But what did for you some offer? reason hasn't canceled?
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you build like pl- like levels though? Because that's what I you did, have to I do. I did build levels. Yeah. What were you planning um, on offering? So,
0: here's. My other theory on Patreon that kind of gripes me, or not gripes me, this is what I wanted to do on Patreon. I saw that a lot of people were just giving away access to the posts, you know, so it's like they're, they're not putting anything down and they're getting like a buck or two from the subscribers or the patrons. Uh, and then they get month. access to what like videos. And they and get content? access to like yeah, their behind the scenes videos yeah. or something. Yeah. Their other you know, content. Um, it's like that's so cool. I think I would add all that content for free though, just to give that away. I'm already giving a lot of this content away. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to make tiers where they end up being similar to like a Kickstarter in a way where you're now funding the tiers are funding through the work.
1: Yes. But then you have so, to have a certain amount of patrons for it to work. Cause you can't, you have to be able to produce something for them.
0: Right. So you, you judge, you judge the tiers accordingly. So if it's going to be like a, a $10 a month buy-in, um, Let's say, like and so that's equivalent to like the hundred twenty, let's say there's some that patron takes. So let's say it ends up being a hundred bucks at the end of the year. We'll give them a hundred dollars in value. Right? Of of product. So how many prints is that over the course of a year?
1: So you maybe quarterly send them a new print or something?
0: Yeah. Or backload it, front load it. Well, no, I wouldn't ever front load because they could cancel it. Yeah, no, you definitely don't want to do that. Um but yeah, so like after after for after three months you know it's 30 bucks you know send them a print so it's like they're just pre-ordering prints that you're like randomly like a subscription yeah so yeah. like you that's exactly what the word I was trying to think of is yeah think of patreon as a subscription service yeah. and so there's different tiers tiers of subscription so if uh maybe I don't know maybe you're lucky enough to get a twenty dollar a month thing it's like all right well that's gonna now fund me to do a run of sculpture toys and uh, we'll get a limited edition batch or a first edition batch of that you know as a supporter and have like exclusive exclusive offers do you have first right of refusal for an original piece you know and so like you first post it to these guys before you post it to etsy
1: yeah, that's an interesting thing. I, I haven't found too many illustrators and artists that have made Patreon work. I've I've seen a lot of people that have a lot of video content make it work, and musicians make it work because they offer like digital. Some podcasts are making it work too, and podcasts. But I think, with, like I, I think for instance, if I were going to send a print every month or every quarter, let's say on Patreon, I'd have to. Charge like quite a bit a month for that to be worth it to me because, you know, mailing thing something out four times a year is expensive.
0: Right. So maybe it's just like once a year,
1: you know, or yeah, it's just like how try to figure out the balance of, but then it's also hard because they can't
0: can't choose the print.
1: Yeah. You know. But... Well, that's it too. Like, maybe do you have them? It's kind of cho- like a, a farm, choice.
0: It's kind of like a farm share thing. Like,
1: you can't can't choose what produce you're gonna
0: get that week.
1: With Patreon, I kind of feel like it's people that are donating are more donating. Yeah. And they're getting... Um, so what they're getting is... The benefit is, of satisfaction, really. Yeah, of helping you of out. helping. And when I feel like I've launched, like, Kickstarters, I personally feel like it's not as char- a charitable because they're just buying a book right so you're and they're actually getting a discount on the book because the book's going to cost $30 when it's out and they're getting it for 20 yeah or, you know so i don't feel like i'm asking people to give me charity and i think patreon sometimes it can feel like that
0: yeah i think that too and i think that's why i don't I don't like getting charity
1: either it doesn't I, feel good to me. yeah and
0: so if they're not that's why i thought a subscription way would be the best way for me to Get over
1: that. Yeah, I don't know. I know with kicks with uh, crowdfunding. So my first crowdfunding, I had very few, comparatively very few followers on Instagram and social media, and about I'm supposed to well. How probably, many
0: followers did you have your first
1: time? Maybe ten thousand. I I don't know exactly. I mm-hmm. can't really remember. I think ten 000 to twenty thousand, let's say, mm-hmm. which is decent. But to do a crowdfunding, that's about the minimum you think you'd want to have and there's a crowdfunding calculator actually that will tell you it'll ask like how many social media followers do you have how much money are you going to spend in advertising it'll tell you and how much do you want to raise and it'll tell you how likely you are to succeed
0: is this on kickstarter the calculator no, it's or a, a third party. just isn't? google it and okay. i did
1: and i did it and i'm like oh this so my first time i did indiegogo i'm like i'm gonna use this calculator and i bet i'll reach my goal and i put in like i've got 20,000 followers because at that time that's a huge amount, and I want to raise $5,000. And it, I think the calculator said I needed like a hundred thousand followers to raise (laughs) that much money, and I ended up raising it. So the calculator wasn't accurate, yeah. But I think it also depends on how engaged your following is, yeah. Um, and I think there is a difference between Indiegogo and Kickstarter as far as. Fundability. Yeah. Well, for sure. Kickstarters do better. They're, they have a better uh, rate. And I actually used the Indiegogo the first two times. And I did, the reason for the difference between the two is Indiegogo, you get the money even if you don't reach your goal, mm-hmm. which is why I used it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I'm like, well, I, I want the money no matter what. Because even if I don't reach my goal, I'm still going to print this book. I'll just pay for the difference.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: With Kickstarter, it's a little bit more risky. And yeah. so now that I've done two successful campaigns, I'm willing to take the risk because I think I know enough to make it successful. And so I'm using the, the um, platform that's um, it's risky in the sense that you have to reach your goal to get the money, but it's also a more successful um, success, more better a percentage success on rate. success. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I kind of got off track, but I was wanted to say about like as far as, how it feels like charity sometimes on these type of crowdfunding type deals with Patreon and that. So my first um, crowdfunding I did was um, about a third to a half the money I raised was from friends and family. And, okay. I, and then the rest was from my followers because I didn't have a lot of followers at the time. And I did feel after that one that that felt charitable. Felt like charity because these people, they're, gonna, they're supporting me. Right. Because they're my friends and my family, yeah. and whether they like my art or not, they they would do it because they know me and they like me or or they they just would support me anyway. My second was like less than five percent of it was friends and family. whoa, and the vast majority is it because there was a, that many more supporters that many more supporters no I had a way less just way oh. less because friends and family are happy to support you once. <laughs> But you're doing a crowdfunding less than a year later. They're not happy with that. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, you got to. Yeah, it's true. You got to. You got to. Yeah, pick and choose what you want to be. And so.
1: And of course, the more followers you get too, the more they're like, well, they don't even need my charity. They're going to reach their goal anyway. Hmm. That's what I kind of feel like they felt. But also, I had just asked for money less than a year ago. And so I got way less people from that I knew donating but it made me it actually made me feel a lot better because I knew that the people that were donating money wanted the book they were actually genuinely wanting the book they weren't just helping me out
2: Right.
1: and so um, I don't know where I was going with that but crowdfunding is definitely a legit way to raise funds and to create your own content and to generate money as yeah. an artist Um,
0: I've never done one
1: Well, as I feel like um, you could easily do some type of a book with your, because you've done these different series, yeah. Um, and so that would be a definitely a cool project for you.
0: Yeah. So I'm interested in sculpture, like bringing my characters to life in 3D. Yeah. And uh, sculpting them by hand.
1: I haven't really found a way to make good money off of that. I don't. I'm not. I'm. I don't know where to go with that. That's not something I've I've ever done, as far as like sculpting and selling those. Yeah. Books, but I feel like maybe that's something. Maybe that's could, a Kickstarter down the line. Who knows? You should test that out at the next like holiday sale. Yeah. Because that's a perfect way to do it. You've got make a line. Yeah. See how they do. Yeah. And you're gonna make money on. You know you're gonna have people around your table because you've been doing it successfully for the past few years and make good money. So if if you have a lot of people around your table and nobody's biting then you know maybe it's not something that's going to work i don't know
0: here's another piece of psychology for uh generating money
1: okay and, and tabling i'll
0: like, give this one up <laughs> um a lot of businesses will have multiples of a similar pro- product right right like, think iphone or like a roku <laughs> yep. you know and they have different levels you know it's going to be the basic The whatever uh, or the pro or whatever. Um, the reason behind that is to sell the middle item,
1: huh? Because nobody wants the like the lowest one, right? But they don't. I I get it. They don't want to spend the money on the high.
0: But then it's a bell curve too. Sometimes you will sell that high one, and that's just bonus. Sometimes you'll sell the low one, yeah, and it's paying itself off, yeah, right. So think about that too. Sometimes with uh. The products you have might be beneficial to throw up a original piece al- amongst all your prints. Maybe it will sell. Maybe it won't, and it'll sell more of your middle tier. Um, so things to
1: well, that's it's think just, about. It's like comparison. Yeah, when you put an original up there for ten times the price as your whatever else you're selling. Now your your lower end stuff or the middle thing seems cheaper.
0: Right, you're mentioning this with the, with the books, right? How you could have bought 250 books, but twice as many books was only a couple hundred bucks more. You just got sold the middle tier. Yeah, but
1: I, you know? but that really is better oh, for Of me. course it's better. Like yeah. that, that's a good example, but it also is like, you'd almost be stupid to get the lower one on that one. Right. Because book, book printing is like, once they have it set up, it's just cheaper to keep making them. Yeah. Um, but I know what you're saying. Do you think there's any, I, I always hear like with, Sales, you you want to put the price at like nineteen ninety nine. You don't put it at twenty. You think that even matters? Because that doesn't. I don't feel like that sells me. Like if it's ninety nine ninety nine, I know doesn't, that's just a hundred dollars. Yeah,
0: there. I I get. Again, there's a psychology around that too. But uh, yeah, just freaking round it. No one cares, especially at these fairs. Yeah, you're just making it hard on yourself to open up the doors to giving change yeah no i want to i want to give dollars back as change in increments of five like i don't want to
1: yeah i'm having a hard enough time counting out one dollar bills i don't want to deal with a tray of change well let's put it this way if if something was 1999 i wouldn't and i gave a 20 i wouldn't wait for the penny i'd just be like (laughs) you can you keep the change as a tip Yeah, which is actually something. So-, so I I do,
0: but I do use this psychology for like online sales because then sometimes it puts you under like gifts under twenty. Yeah. You know? sometimes yeah. Sometimes people that have gifts at twenty won't make that list. Isn't that
1: weird? It's like so hard to price things and know.
0: So that's why I do it on Etsy. I don't round up or round to the dollar on Etsy. I think it's all like ninety nine or ninety five or something stupid thing like that
1: i've been i always do round to the dollar but i do sell things for so like i'll sell my posters are 28 not certainly they're not 30 i feel like that's under 30 and people are more like buy it yeah but my prints are 45 maybe i should make them 44 maybe that'll be like yeah maybe it's you know it's just and i also always
0: have free shipping yeah i think that's big for etsy that's big I for anything i hate Paying for shipping.
1: I should do that. I haven't I haven't done that. I do it with... No, I don't do it. I'm going to I'm gonna be honest. I make people pay for shipping because... I, I do only have it uh, for US yes. sales, though. I was going to say, because I ship books to Australia or something. It costs you money, probably. It's It's more than the book. Yeah. The book, they'll pay $30 for the book. The shipping's $33. If I offered them free shipping, I'd literally be losing $3 and the book. So yeah. I'd be losing, like, $12 a sale, so... If you're doing within the U.S., you can do free shipping, but yeah, yeah, it's it's like you have to charge it for international orders because they're just expensive. Yeah, I mean it depends on the weight too, obviously.
0: So what what kind of commercial work do you get? What what's the what's the range in categories there?
1: I get, it's always like random, and you never know. That's how it is as a. Uh, illustrator or an artist you just it's you get these jobs you weren't expecting yet Mm -hmm. you know like people you'd never think you'd work for like um i i did this past six months i did work for a magazine in germany that's like a psychology magazine or philosophy magazine i mean
0: and how do they find you
1: online i guess social media instagram um my website and that's how pretty much people find you nowadays it's just online Mm -hmm. um and they just find you they contact me and i did a portrait of um occam's you know occam's razor like the the, no it's like a theory that basically um he's like a philosopher from like the a thousand years ago but he came up with this thing called occam's razor and it it basically says whatever the most simplest explanation for something is that's probably the right explanation
0: okay yeah most of the time it is right
1: yeah that that's most of the time that's the you know how did this thing get here well probably it was this then that you know i don't i'm trying to think of a good example and of course i can't because it's off the top of my head but yeah so i i've worked for them and then like the tyler creator one he just contacted me through instagram that was a huge commercial piece i did yeah um and so
0: so a lot of your generation is coming back to
1: yourself social. It's coming it's all coming back to social media as far as generating commercial work, yeah. but also selling my itsy Etsy work and stuff is through um networking and social media. So yeah. It's a, it's a lot of just online presence and networking. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I just was hired to do so I did a big large piece for um through Taggart from the Chain Smokers, which oh, you yeah. saw, right? Yeah, yeah. And I just got hired by an artist named Alec Monopoly, who's a graffiti artist, to do... He saw that big piece, and he wants one, too. Cool. So I'm doing one um, inspired by Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be the same size as that other one. So what's the size? Like, wingspan? It's like 36 by 24. It's just, pretty big. It's pretty good size for me. I usually draw on, like, 12 by 9 small pieces of paper. Well, you know, regular-sized pieces of paper. Mm. So it'll be fun working on that. And he just found me through. He's really, he's best friends with um, Scott Disick. You know who that is? No. He was married to um, the middle Kardashian. (laughs) Not, not the one that was married to Lamar Odom.
0: Not keeping up with them.
1: (laughs) No. He's well, anyway, he, he's really good friends with him. This Alec Monopoly graffiti artist. He lived out in Los Angeles. And, He's kind of a character. Like, he, if you look on his Instagram, he's never showed his face. He's always got it covered with a bandana or his oh, hand.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, now he's, now I know who you're talking about. And he's,
1: he's pretty famous because he usually includes the Monopoly Man character in his work. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like his thing. Um, but he's done work for everybody from like Justin Bieber to Snoop Dogg and weird, weird, random clients, but,
2: mm.
1: um, Anyway, so he, he's just bought a new house in Los Angeles and he's trying to fill it with art. Cool. So that's going to be a cool piece. I don't know what I'm going to do yet because that last huge piece I did that I shipped to Los Angeles, it was like $1,200 to ship because you, you, you frame it, it, it and, that, and then you've got to pack it in like a crate. And a wooden crate. A wooden crate and you don't want it to get damaged and then you have to insure it for the amount because you know it's original art so you have to make sure if it gets damaged that the post office is paying for whoever you're shipping it with paying for it yeah so i don't know 1100 dollars. it almost seems like i should just fly to los angeles and just create the piece there i could probably do it for cheaper than 1100 dollars, or at least that much and then at least i get a trip out of it
0: that's a great thought and it would have never even thought to do that that's a really brilliant thought
1: because i feel like i could get a plane ticket for like three or four hundred bucks
0: yeah and you get a hotel for what how long? A week?
1: No, not e- I would I would plan it all out. Yeah. So that when I got there I'd only need like two days or something. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Find where you're gonna get it framed.
1: Even if it costs eleven hundred dollars, I get a trip to Los Angeles out of it. Yeah. Versus a trip to the post office, you know, right. which is better. <laughs> and I know it's not gonna get damaged in shipping because I'm gonna That's hand a great deliver.
0: business model. Maybe you should do that for all your <laughs> all your big commissions. You travel to the place to do it. Bit. That, could cool, that could be a cool. That could uh, be a cool added story behind it too.
1: Yeah. The only thing is, I' gonna need. I have to figure out a place to make it because it's like a big piece. I can't do it in a hotel room. So
0: I why not? You do it on the bed. You just yeah. Get a, I guess I get a board somewhere. Like go to Home Depot, buy a board, then leave
1: it. <laughs> That, I guess it is an option. I mean, where the whereas he's an artist, the person that's um, commissioning me, he might even let me work in his studio. Although, I don't know, he's a greedy that's, art, so he weird. might not even have a studio.
0: That'd be weird to ask. I wouldn't want to ask that.
1: I don't know. He's commissioning me to do the work, so he might not care. I don't know. Yeah. But you're right. It's like kind of weird. Yeah. That's the idea at leads to him. I haven't yeah. figured it out yet. But anyway, that was just... Um, that's cool. Yeah, it's an interesting job. I told them it would take a little while to get big I like to plan those out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just so used to working on small pieces of paper like translating that to a big bigger piece. I can't really use a lot of the same mediums. So I use like pens for my line work, but they don't work on big pieces because it's too thin. Right. You need a bigger you need a bigger thickness. Yeah, so it's like and then there's not really pens that go that thick that it would work so i have to kind of translate maybe i have to use brushes or something i haven't figured out the other one the last one i did i, I used a lot of the same mediums but i made them work but i think i'm gonna try to figure this out better because if i'm gonna start doing more larger ones to find a really quick mm-hmm. sense that i don't figure it out Oversized ballpoint pens. <laughs> I actually googled that just to see like <laughs> how big they make pens, but I couldn't find anything that was that big. The ballpoint the size of a soccer ball. Yeah, I want like a uniball Ball that's like basically as thick as a flashlight <laughs> yeah. or something. That'd be great, and I could use that. So yeah, generating money is—I mean, it's all over the place how you can do it, but you, you kind of have to be um, just as creative with your money generation and your business right. as you are with your artwork
0: right like I di- i've had to diversify a bit and kind of be i i've been i've been on the jack uh, trying the uh, jack ball trades kind of a route but uh so doing the illustration bit i kind of fell into animation which i think has been more lucrative for me um and seems like a lot more companies want
1: want can, that can you talk about that because as, how you got the animation first animation job and
0: sure yeah it worked out um yeah my first animation job they found they found me somehow it, it might have been a ref- referral from the school um but i didn't i didn't have much animation experience it, was, it took maybe one one class in college I knew some basics. Right but at, this, at this point, this was four or five years after taking that class. So a lot of things changed. A lot of things changed over that amount of time. Yeah,
1: because the program yeah. the programs are updating. Right. Um.
0: But this client gets a hold of me and asks if I can if I can do it. Right. And, I'm like, well, let's meet, let's talk about the scope of the project. And we're meeting, we're talking, and I'm trying to get an idea of what they actually want, what we can maybe do. Uh, And talking about budget and stuff. And I, I find out their budget. I'm like, you know what? I like that number. I'm new to this. It's probably not the number I should be getting for doing something like this. But I don't know how to do this. But <laughs> did you tell them that? I did not tell them. No, you them. said,
1: I know how, and then you sp- like, figured it out.
0: I can, I can do that. It's like, I knew I could if I figured it out. And yeah. so um, I had no idea how to do it, and I had to figure out how to do it. So I spent the next two weeks teaching myself uh, Adobe Flash off of YouTube videos, YouTube tutorials. And I got to a point where I, I knew enough to now be able to start the project. And as I was doing it, I learned more too. Of course. Um, and I got the project done and it ended up being a great piece. The client was thrilled. It met all the expectations. I met the timeline and uh, everyone was happy.
1: So being flexible is a huge thing. You were flexible. You, you didn't know how to maybe do the extent of animation they needed, but you figured, I'm going to, learn how, and I'm going to do it.
0: Right. And because of that, I got more projects.
1: I know you've had um, more animation jobs. Several.
0: Not a ton, but like a bunch.
1: But but think about this. So if you just think about the first job that you just explained, you took two weeks and watched all these videos. So if you took all that time that you spent on learning it and then actually doing that job, Probably hourly, you didn't make that great of money if you include the learning, the, the amount of money you learned, or yeah. the amount of time you learned.
0: Probably, yeah, probably wasn't
1: great money. No. But because you've used those skills in all these other jobs, it ended up being so worth it, even though that one job right. maybe oh, yeah. wasn't great. big hourly. time.
0: Every, every time I do an animation project, it's better and better. It takes me less and less time, so I can get a better quality product out faster. Um and it and it's great. And it's 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 really it's really great, um, uh, money. So it ends up getting to a point where you could have, you know, three three or four animation jobs in a year and you're and you're fine, you don't have to worry and they're long projects, so you it's predictable income for that time and uh less stress on the money front, maybe more stress on the figuring out how to do it front, but uh Nice, I like I like that more than the lots of little hustle, lots of little project. Yeah,
1: having a big project like that is nice. I have a lot of littler stuff, and so occasionally I'll get a larger one, but it's it's more stressful maybe. So as far as um money goes too, like um I we we both are freelance, we work for ourselves, and you make what money you generate and. But over the past three years, I have got a raise every year, right? And so, you you know, when you have a job, you go to your boss and ask for a raise. But when you work for yourself, guess what? You have to figure out how to give yourself a raise, and that involves
0: right. And if you don't, it's your fault. Right. Sometimes it gets slow, and but the the flip side's there, right? If 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 you're putting in this hard work, you're gonna get you're gonna get the the raise that you're gonna get the benefit from it.
1: Yeah. And so I was, I was um, talking to an illustrator that's been doing this for years and he was telling me that the rates for commercial illustration work have not gone up in, in like <sighs> 25, 30 years. Right. Yeah.
0: Even down in some areas.
1: And he said, but he still managed to basically get a raise every year. And I was like, well, how do you manage that? And the the way he does it is, Every year he's become more efficient. And so he can get jobs done quicker and he can take on more work because of it. Right. So maybe at the beginning, if he's working with oil paint and now he's doing everything digitally, and so he's able to work way quicker. And so that's another thing, too. You got to figure out like maybe you love working with oil paints, or, you know, but it takes those things take a long time. It takes mm. long to dry and to do other coats. And so you have to figure out. If it's your hobby, great, work with oil paints. But if you're trying to make money, maybe that's not the best medium to, to use. Mm-hmm. And is there a better one that will be that would look just as good but be way more efficient and make it, make it so that you can make more hourly?
0: Right. It's and so important. Even thinking stylistically.
1: That's true too. Some like styles I, take way longer. So, so I,
0: I love putting a lot of time into a piece and rendering things out and it's it's fun and it's could turn off my brain and it's, it's great but that's so much time and that's digging into your problems
1: think about like a one a one panel comic right and it's just like a silly little joke that one person says something in in the bubble and then the other person says something off of it that's kind of bizarre but it makes you laugh you could literally just draw two stick people with bubbles the same th- and story. The same exact story, and people would laugh just as much as if you took five hours drawing really detailed people. All right,
0: that's the beauty of learning how to keep things simplified. No, people it's, might
1: even like it more that it's a stick figure and yeah, laugh more for all. More you It's know. more approachable. It's yeah. So you really have to think about those type of things. How can I shave some time off of it? Yeah. Um. So that I can take on more work, and, and I know that's like a good problem to have. Like. Where you're actually getting work, and some people are like, take on more work. I'm not even getting any work to begin with, but- right?
0: And I think that's happening with the animation stuff too. What I'm seeing, and things are getting faster. I'm finding other programs that can do things better, yeah. uh, or in certain ways. And um, yeah, always, always learning, learning new things has always improved my profitability. Yeah, always. Just keep learning. Keep keep looking up tutorials. Keep keep doing online courses or because those going to talks. People, yeah, and, yeah. Just keep
1: keep learning. That's the thing. This this business is evolved all the time. I mean, think of how different it is from 20 years ago. We where there's no social media. The Adobe Illustrator or Adobe Photoshop Illustrator, those programs are so different now than they were 20 years ago. Right. And so you. Constantly have to be keeping up with things and learning.
0: Yeah. So I I stumbled into another side business. Um, I I've named it I Doodle Live, and it's a graphic recording service. Yeah. Explain this because this is really cool. Um. So another thing I kind of fell into, very similar to the animation thing, where I was referred to, I think, by Mecca again. Yeah. Uh. Because uh, a company called into Mecca asking if they knew anyone that can do live graphic recording or live uh, doodling of notes while a presentation was happening.
1: So So you're like drawing what the person is saying, basically?
0: I'm I'm interpreting key ideas and concepts on the spot, doodling these key ideas and concepts, and then having as many drawings as I can in the span of 45 minutes.
1: So i just want to make sure that everyone can kind of picture this in their head so there someone is giving a presentation and speaking yeah and you're
0: in front of like 300 people
1: yeah and you're doodling the concepts that they're talking about you're doodling them and they're projected on like a screen so that all these people that are listening can also see the doodles
0: yeah Uh, this has been done a lot yeah with uh some people do it on paper big pieces of paper with markers yeah um but i didn't I didn't want to do that. I thought that was a lot of setup and a lot of trouble, and I'm blocking it half the time with my body. Right. Um, and it's also kind of nerve wracking physically being up in the front in front of 300 people. Yeah. So, how are you doing so it? So, I started doing it on my laptop, on my uh, Wacom tablet on the side. Right. Uh, and doing it digitally, plugged into the projection system. Yep. And up just being projected on the. Projector or a couple projectors, so everyone can see what's happening live and yeah. what I'm doing as the presentation is happening. Um, so I was asked if I could do this. I'm like, I probably could, but I've never done it before. And I was clear to the guy before, and uh, oh, it's gonna it's gonna like be nobody's done. Gonna be this price, uh, and uh, they flew me out they paid for my boarding i was at the conference physically uh and i can't you can't guarantee what's going to happen what i'm going to come up with did you get notes ahead of time
1: of like what they were
0: barely most of this is most of these times there have been like crazy cold
1: yeah which is like kind of nerve exciting i'm going in there
0: with no knowledge or virtually no knowledge I I try to get as much as I can to start thinking in that space, at least. Right, right. Uh, cause, and then a lot of concepts repeat across uh, businesses. So you, it's yeah. like, okay, I drew this before. I could probably draw this for this, too. And um, It's crazy nerve-wracking, especially the first time. But then it gets easier and easier, and you find different ways to make it even more easier and make a better product. You know, it ends up transitioning to me drawing directly on the ipad you know and so that that was a big upgrade uh where now it's way easier i'm just way easier for travel better products coming out of it
1: because i was able to draw better on it Um, you could almost do that from like you wouldn't even have to fly out with the internet you could like do it via right skype or something where you can hear what they're saying you're drawing it and it's being projected
0: and i did it i did that a couple times it's a lot harder. It brings a lot more tech tech into place that can go wrong and Plus, internet you, connection. Yeah. It's not always
1: reliable. And uh, Plus, if they're willing to fly you out somewhere, you may as well take a trip. Yeah. You know.
0: And how often, like, how often does an artist get a business trip? You know? it's Not it's,
1: often. It's great. You know? You can turn any job into some type of a trip. It's, like, worth doing. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know... You, Rare basically, yeah. um, but that's such a cool concept, and, and-, it's,
0: and it's great because then now you're opening the doors to a more corporate world, yeah. And now, now corporate ends up being a, a money maker. And it's a lot of times these conferences are budgeted items, and it's just a line item that they already have money for, yep, it's waiting for you.
1: And so, I, I hope to do more of I Doodle live stuff. That's a, it's just such a cool idea. I, I mean, if someone had come to me and asked me about that, I think I would have been scared. Would have, that would be something scary to me. Like, oh wait, I'm not going to know what I'm going to be drawing ahead of time, really. Oh yeah.
0: It, it's not for everybody. Yeah. And, but and you, it's not for most people, I think. And especially artists. Yeah. I think. Think about introverted artists, you know. Like, You've
1: got to get up there and do that. Oh, man, it's a whole nother ballgame. It's like what we were talking about before, too, though, like about simplifying drawings. Yeah. Like you have to, if you're go, trying to keep up with someone speaking, your drawings have to be pretty simple.
0: Right. And I want a full, I want a full doodle cloud, like, like a word cloud, right? But with doodles by the end of this short talk.
1: Are you erasing things as you go? If I have to, yeah. Yeah. I didn't and know if they wanted so, it to have like a, to see it all at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like have a giant page with all of it on it. Oh they they do see that.
0: Oh, it is one giant page with everything on it.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I meant like are you, like you're drawing a concept and then erasing that and then drawing the next concept. Oh, you're no, leaving I'm them.
0: Leaving it, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. it's just yeah,
1: so it's a it's like an animated whiteboard type thing. Yeah, and it's great it helps with a lot
0: of uh memory retention uh, participation in the talks. So when when you're seeing an image being drawn, yeah. You're now remembering what was being said in order to try to figure out what I'm drawing and how that relates. And then later, when you see that drawing again, you're now triggering that memory of what was being said. Yeah. So there's great science behind it.
1: You're basically turning like a fairly dull lecture into like a really engaging presentation. Yeah. By just bringing by in just an, bringing an artist. Just bringing
0: in an artist. Nothing else is different.
1: Yeah. Same talk they've been hearing for years. If someone hired me to do it, I would do it. I would it would be out of my comfort zone, but I would I would try it and I would as soon as I said yes, immediately regret that I said yes. <laughs> and probably worry the whole time until it And then it would probably go alright, but it is hard. It's very hard.
0: It, everyone's so usually so impressed after too. If I were to look at the piece afterwards, uh formally and as an artist looking at it. Do a critique. I don't want to critique
1: that. It's it's right, not
0: right. They are quick doodles Yeah of course And then they have to be um, But they also have to be clear
1: That's the whole point To yeah. the point Yeah it's not like an, A piece of art That you're gonna go And sell afterwards right. Or whatever I mean But it's a It's a great Cool idea It's a great way to Monetize your art business. You know like That's what I mean There's so many Ways to, to make generate money income. As an artist yeah. It's not like You're stuck Like I have to get A gallery To put my work up On the wall Right. That's like... And
0: now, and now there's so many other options. There's coffee shops. Throw your work up in coffee shops. There's no shame in that. Nope. Brewer- breweries have been big yeah. with the art community and having, having months-long shows. Right. And you just kind take of over, take over the
1: brewery's tasting room or whatever. And, you um, can, it, and another thing, too, like while we're on this, like you can create things that haven't ever been created before. You can go to places that maybe have never shown art before and say, hey, I'm an artist. I... Th- I was thinking this might be a cool event or whatever. Like, be creative. Like, just because it has never been done before doesn't mean it's not possible.
0: Sometimes you just have to ask, and it's as simple as that. Yeah, you just Just, don't know. Just asking.
1: And sometimes just asking
0: if, if they'd want a commissioned piece by a local artist. Yeah. Like, your wall on the side of your building would be great for a piece about your business. Yeah. And... uh. So I know some artists who make most of their income making proposals of work they want to do to businesses, and they'll, they'll sometimes buy them. Yeah, or most of the time they'll buy them. It's hard, it's hard for businesses to sometimes visualize what, what the product is going to be, but if you're coming to them with a pitched with a pitch and an idea, and it's all ready to go, and you're all excited and you have, a, have this price in mind you're down dangling the shiny object in front of them. And they're more likely to jump. Yeah. They're more likely to to dive in with you and and, and make this project happen.
1: Yeah, it's so so true.
0: So instead of waiting blindly for someone to email you to do a commission or something, be proactive. Be proactive.
1: Do you want to hear a good story about someone that was proactive about work and, and getting a job? So the person that... um curated my show in Los Angeles. Yeah. She works. Uh, she curated it for the Eric Butterbo gallery. That's the name of the gallery. And he's a perfume creator. Okay. And he's mostly a perfume creator and a florist, hmm. but he has a gallery at his shop in Los Angeles. And he is, um, he's like really well known. He did like the flowers for one of the um, Royal weddings
2: Ooh, and you know what I that's mean. That's huge. Oh yeah,
1: he's and he's like he hangs out with a list celebrities like Demi Moore's his best friend. You know he's got so he's like knows everybody in Los Angeles. Yeah. So anyway, this girl Natalie that cur- that curated my show, she was just in his shop, looking at the perfume, and she saw like the art on his that he had hanging in the gallery, and she said to him, "This work sucks. Who <laughs> who curates this?" And he's like, yeah, it's not that good. He's like, I, I just... I do it myself. Yeah. He's like, but why do you know someone that could curate? She's like, I could do it. And um, he's like, oh, I, I guess I could give you, like, next year, you could try it out for me. So that's how she got the job. And that's and why... Does,
0: did he pay her? Yeah, he pays to her. To
1: curate his yeah. shop. Yeah. And wow. she also gets, like, a cut of the sales for the art. So she's... <sighs> That's yeah. so cool. It's such a proactive it's way of proactive. Doing it. proactive. And now she's like literally hobnobbing with A-list celebrities and selling work to them just by doing being like proactive. But I mean, I don't recommend going in telling people that the work they have on their walls, sucks. You know, like, eh. it's like almost like one of those <laughs> movie sucks, sucks. scenes where some you say something really <laughs> offensive and then they're like, I like your gumption. I'm going to hire you. You know, like <laughs> that never happens. But it did happen in this case. Yeah. So anyway, she, she, I was only the second show she had curated there. As soon as he said, "I'll let you curate the next year's worth of shows," she like started contacting all these people on Instagram, trying to find artists that she liked. Cool. So that's how she she got the job, and that's how, how I ended up getting um, my work shown there. But I just think that that type of stuff is like, it's cool like that people take initiative like that, and you never know what can happen. You might the might, person might say have said like uh this i love this work and and then she wouldn't have got the job but so what right like um the fact that you take initiative you don't you never know what's going to happen right so if you think if you see something that you think you can do something better with the space or or you think i i don't i'm trying to put it into words but like just use use your creativity with your marketing and with your um, generation of money just as much as with your artwork.
0: Right. Spot the opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Spot the potential opportunities. Yeah, like
1: uh, teaching, I generate some
0: like, very little bit of income from teaching. Yeah. No. But I never intended to teach. And it just kind of happened. Fell in your lap, kind of. Yeah.
1: And I do love it. A lot of artists I actually supplement their income by teaching art, too. it's yeah. like a huge... A chunk of percentage of artists that do that yeah it's a great way to um, get some like you said maybe it's not that great of money but it's dependable income right you know what you're getting a paycheck right and that's for a freelancer that's it's like so fulfilling gold.
0: it's so fulfilling passing on the knowledge you've acquired like maybe right. maybe you're sa- saving years off of someone's life that that they don't have to spend that you did spend <laughs> like yeah how many mistakes did, did I make along the way,
1: you know, over my time as being a professional artist? Yeah. So we haven't yeah, put, pretty- we actually haven't put any of these podcasts out yet. So we, this is our like eighth one reco- that we've recorded or yeah. something. And we're going to, we're kind of banking them and then we're going to put them out um, slowly over time. So we have, uh, the reason I'm saying that is because I wanted to ask you, are you going to, um, Tell your students to listen to the podcast. I, I will tell them because why not? They they have to learn all these things, especially
0: especially once it's out. Yeah, once it's out, I think it'd be
1: I think it'd be great for the students to to listen. Yep, or just have it
0: going in the background during class.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, listen. I think I learned personally. I learned just as much from podcasts and YouTube videos than I did from school. Oh yeah. So like, don't underestimate the power of uh, the internet and learning that way. Yeah. Definitely don't. Cool. Do you have anything else to add that you wanted to talk about with?
0: I think that's all the ways I generate income. Yeah, personally, I'm, there's other ways I'm sure, and maybe we'll be able to have uh, other artists come on and talk about how how they generate income.
1: Yeah, that would be fun. I think we should try to get a, um, a diverse mix of different people that do different things because it'll only benefit um, the listeners and ourselves too. Right cool thanks for joining us today guys
0: yeah thanks so much have a great afternoon
1: morning or whatever time it is that you're listening
0: yeah (laughs) bye